Warning, the Grow Your Salon Fast Show contains content that may offend. The hosts don't care. If you want to grow your salon fast, keep listening and find out more at www.thegrowyoursalonfastshow.com. But for now, here's your hosts, Vagar Svanberg and Kat Smith. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grow Your Salon Fast Show. I'm Kat Smith, and with me today is Vagar Svanberg, as usual. And today's episode is episode number six, or as we say in New Zealand, episode number sucks. Or if you're in Australia, you say sucks. Yeah, we change our eyes to use in New Zealand. Wow. We let our vowels drop on the floor, it goes thud. It's quite a nice Makes total sense. No wonder people don't understand you. No, it's a bit of a problem. However, not my problem, your problem. Um, (laughs) This is number six of our podcasts and this week we are going to talk about staff that horrible s word the staffing issue and uh, specifically this week about recruiting staff because it's a real minefield out there isn't it and if well, you that have the business we sorry about staff in it yeah we do uh, and i must say that this is one area where i'm not sure how much i have to contribute other than bad stories Oh, tell me why. Because I'm a lousy recruiter. Don't tell do anyone. You, do you suck at staff, do you? I really, 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 really suck at staff. <laughs> Excellent. So you're the perfect person to have on the show. Yeah, yes. you can embarrass yeah. me. Good. I can embarrass I myself. I'll probably step into it with both legs. So. And that's the thing, is that when you have business... You have to recruit people for it. So if you've got a bricks and mortar and that you have to have staff to do the service or make the products, whatever it is that you're actually doing within your business, it's a major hassle. Um, and there's reasons why it's a major hassle having staff and finding staff. And the whole thing about this podcast today is to find out or for me to show you why, why it's such a hassle and the three things that you should be doing to change it so it's not such a hassle anymore and so you don't suck at staff good (laughs) in fact i think we should maybe we should start with one of your worst case scenarios so i have a lot of good staff recruitment horror stories but i'm sure you've got a good one so why don't we start with one of your horror i have probably several um several stories about that we can first talk about the um what would I call it? Vertically challenged guy who didn't really hear very well. So a deaf dwarf. Those were your words. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's a deaf dwarf. You've got a deaf well, dwarf. Yes, um, he was deaf well, and one. he was and he was vertically challenged. But uh, <laughs> what I what I would say is that those uh, attributes were not his uh, biggest problems. Um, <laughs> So there were other problems, uh, like for instance, uh, he was uh, installing some equipment somewhere on the Friday evening, and then he just decided to go home. So he just sent me a text and said, I'm going home, you must take over here. That was a Friday evening or afternoon, I can't remember. It was before a big festival, we were going to provide some services there, and he just left, went home, uh, before working hours ended. And actually, no, well, I had to go there and finish it myself. That was excellent, uh-huh. wasn't it? So uh, many, many similar things that happened there. I would say, um, and you'll probably analyze this um, 
later in the episode, but this was all in the early days where I was desperate. Uh, you know, you don't have the cash flow, you don't have the cash, you don't have cash at all, do you? And then you stumble across, you know, some government-sponsored program to get people in, recruit people, stuff like that. And he came from that. And I've had several others as well uh, from, from such a program. And that was not a very good way of recruiting people. I must say, though, that I've, I have one guy, which I got through such a program, and he's excellent and he's still with me. Uh, but um, yes, I've had a few, what would I say, unlike, unlucky um recruitments <laughs> well i'm gonna jump in there and say it's not unlucky at all in fact i think it's all your fault and oh, fuck's sake. if we <laughs> we step back and have a look at it properly the real pe- reason that you are you gonna step on me staff, yeah i'm gonna step on your throat it's not the staff themselves it's you and i'll take that on board for myself because when i was recruiting people I made these mistakes and I did these things and it is my fault that I got the staff that I got. I got the staff I deserved based on what I know. But the thing is, it doesn't have to be that way because what happens when we recruit staff is because we don't do it all the time and we're not experts at recruiting staff. Now, there are companies out there who are experts at recruiting staff. They That's what they do for a living. They're very good at it. They have processes and plans in place and they um, place different the right person with the right company and all the rest of it. They spend time, all their time doing it. So they become experts at it. Whereas you and I, when we go to recruit somebody, we're doing this very... Not very, maybe really, but not every day. It's not something we do every day. So we get a bit anxious about it because we don't know what we should be doing or what we should be looking for. Um, and, and that's not a bad thing. It's just that we need to take some time to put a plan into place so that we know what it is that we're looking for, what the behaviors of the person that we require and who's going to be our best fit. So the first thing, the first mistake we make when it comes to recruiting... Yeah, I would just just jump in there before you start and say that, maybe I'm skipping ahead, but isn't it true that when we don't know what to do in recruiting, we do the same as when we don't know what to do with pricing? So we just look around, see what others do, and just copy that. Yeah, pretty much. Interview procedures, we put out stupid ads, you know? And yeah. we get people in and we ask them the same stupid question everyone else does. So Yeah, we do what everybody else does. And we do what we kind of think we should be doing. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, we have to start somewhere, but there, it doesn't work. It doesn't always work. You might get lucky. You might find that amazing unicorn type staff member who does everything for you whenever you say you want them to do it. But it's very often you will have problems from the, from the get-go. And that's the first mistake is that um, when we come to recruiting stuff, we don't put a plan into place. We don't have a plan of how we're going to get the candidates, what budget we're going to set for it, how the process is going to be, what you require the candidate to provide to you, how long is the recruitment process, um, how much money have you got to spend on it all. Uh, you need to have a step-by-step plan from start to finish about the type of behaviours you want your new staff member to have. Um, oh, Kat, that's so boring. I need staff I now. Know, what do so, I do? Yeah. Well, basically, you need to say, I have a position. What is it my position requires? And what is it the behaviour? Behavior? So let's talk about behaviours because that's the one of the most important things that 
you'll be recruiting for. It's not the person, it's not their personality, it's not the way they look, it's not their experience, it's their behaviours. So with any person at all, and this is the psychological makeup of anybody, is that past behaviour predicts future performance. So if you can think about anything you know or any person you've dealt with or anyone in your salon that you're having a problem with now, you might find, for example, someone's not pulling their weight in the salon and they're not doing what you've asked them to do and you have a meeting with them and you sit down with them and you serve up the shit sandwich and you say, well, you're doing this great, you're doing this crap and then you're doing this, okay, so let's, you know, you serve it together in that sandwich kind of format so they don't feel like they're being triggered or upset and you, they go away and say, oh, look, I'm really sorry, I'm, I'm I'll do better and for a week or two they do better and then they slip back into the old habits of what they were doing before. So when I say past behavior predicts future performance, that's exactly how it is. So when we're looking to recruit someone, we're looking to recruit behaviors, not experience, personality, what they look like, that sort of thing. So you need to write down all the behaviors you want the person to have. So if you are for example, recruiting for a receptionist, the behaviors you want that person to have are turning up to work on time, answering the phone within three rings, smiling when they talk to people, being professional when they speak to people, be able to make a cup of tea or coffee. And believe me, I've had people who cannot make a cup of tea or coffee. They cannot push a button on a machine. Oh, when I had one young, young chap, he was hilarious. He just filled up the teapot from the tap, from the hot tap. Not yeah. even boil the kettle or oh. anything, just <laughs> oh, no. lukewarm cup of tea on the tap. And never been oh. shown. He was 16, bless him, and hadn't been living with his mum. He was the same guy, actually, who um, I asked him to go and post some letters for me. So I gave him the letters and I gave him some money and I said, go to the post office and ask them to give you the stamps for the fastest to post because in the UK you get different types of posts for you. you yeah, same here. Class where it gets it one day, second yeah. class, two days, whatever. So he went down to the post office. He looked a bit terrified actually. He went down to the post office and he came back about half an hour later and in his hand he has the envelopes and the other hand he has stamps. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> <laughs> he said, what do I do with them now? <laughs> I said, well, and tried not to get too cross, you put the stamps on the envelopes and you put them in the post box, which is at the post office. Why didn't you do it there? He says, oh, I didn't know what to do with them. And he said, how do you put the stamps on the envelope? Cards, I get... You lick yes. them. You lick them and you <laughs> stick them. And he said, you lick them. Oh my God, that's disgusting. <laughs> it sounds to me like your recruitment uh, experience comes uh, from the trenches. From what? The trenches. You've been there, yeah. haven't you? I You've have made been the same there. mistakes as me, haven't you? Same I have. Thing, yeah. I said, and we get the people we deserve. So we we do oh. get the people I'm, we deserve. I'm feeling slightly better now. Good. So you need to have a plan. And the plan is you need to know what behaviours you require your staff to have. And when you can list out a... The, all the behaviors that you require the person to have and it doesn't have to it can't, can't be too stupid if it's um you know that they don't talk a lot that's a good behavior because if you're in a business that you require people to be silent and that sort of thing that's fine 
but you need to list them all. And when you're looking, when you are doing the actual recruitment and the interview stage, that's what you're looking for. You're interviewing for those particular behaviours, not the skills. You can teach skills, you can teach the technical things that you need to teach, but you cannot change the way people behave. Well, not very well. If you're married, you know that. Because when you go into a marriage, you think you can change the person's behaviour. Well, you, you, you women do. We <laughs> men don't care. Right. Still got so, it's and us. <laughs> Even if they're sad. Do, do we just offend half of a listen? <laughs> Maybe we've just gained half of them. <laughs> anyway, so you need to have a plan. And you know, as, as boring as that sounds, actually, when you're writing about behaviours, it actually becomes quite interesting. And it has a different perspective when you look at it like that. So you're not looking at you know the people's how long have they been in the industry, how many people have they serviced, you know, how many hours they've spent doing their thing. It's about their behaviour. Are they going to turn up to work when they say they're going to turn up to work? Major problem for my salon owners, people who don't turn up to work. I, I recognize everything you say. It's, it's all, um, I mean, people are trying to change people's behavior. I tried to do that probably for years and it's never really worked out. It's worked out in some cases, but that's when you have something where you can um, teach them something to change behavior. You can teach them why something, they get this epiphany so they understand that, oh, right. So when they now know whatever you taught them, then they can change behavior because now they understand why that behavior uh, is not the best uh, behavior. It's, it's, you know, you, you can't know what you can't know. So as soon as you let them know, then, yeah, then they can change. True. But but it's true, but people changing behaviors. I've had people coming in late and you can talk to them, but they're still coming late. Yeah. You're listening to the Grow Your Salon Fast Show with Kat and Vagard. Remember to sign up for the podcast updates and special bonuses at www.thegrowyoursalonfastshow.com. Oh, I have the best story about the late and all the excuses. I, I worked with a guy previously in a different life, um, and he, he was notoriously late. His, he had was late every single day and I went through a process of having to discipline him almost to the point where he was just going to be sacked um, and he wasn't which was out of my control but it was so bad that I was thinking about him when I shouldn't have been thinking about him because he just made me so wild yeah. and it wasn't just impacting on me it was impacting on the rest of the team because we were having to cover his work when he was late and his clients which you know it's not fair um, and he, he came up with some beauties and my favorite one he was you know, he came up with things like, I lost my bike, my bike was stolen, my bike got a flat tire on the way to work, um, because I didn't have my bike, I had to take the bus and the bus didn't arrive on time. There were three buses, but they weren't the right ones. There were three buses, but they were all full. Uh, there was a fire in my apartment last night. There were firemen in my apartment last night. And my ultimate all-time favorite, and this was after months of being late, was I was on time and I was in the building on time, but the lift was slow. <laughs> suddenly that day did you even have a lift <laughs> yeah we did four floors come on four floors you gotta run up the stairs something creative that one just though. killed me absolutely killed me so that kind of thing is people are, are uh, creatures of habit and there is a psychological phenomenon called regression to the mean which means that when people are in periods of stress or um, they're not sure what to do, they regress to their very basic um, habits, which if 
they are notoriously late, they will be late if they're under a position of stress. So if they've gone out and got drunk the night before and they're absolutely hungover as fuck, they're going to be late. They're not going to get um, out of bed and get to your salon on time uh, just because they think that they're going to get in trouble. They'd regress to the meeting. They'll go back to being late if they've always been late. If someone has been conscientious and turned up on time every time and even if they're hungover as fuck and they just want to hang out in the back room all day, that's the type of person who will do that. So they will regress to the type of behavior that they will always yeah. exhibit. I've seen that several times as well. And that's what I touched on earlier. When you talk to someone about changing whatever behavior they have, they will regress to the mean. It's just a matter of time, really. Uh, yeah. Now, in my experience, there are incentives you can use kind of to force people to stay on track. And you can use, might be skipping ahead again, but... To use, for instance, certain types of, of, of um, reporting uh, and stuff like that to kind of force people into certain behavior. But my experience is that with that is that you what you you don't necessarily get the output you want from them anyway. So you better hunt for people who have the right mindset and behavior from the get-go. And you probably have some advice on how to do that, don't you? Well, actually, the hunting bit is the next mistake that people make. So the next mistake is you don't spend enough time. And normally it's because you're required to recruit someone pretty quickly. And, and in most recruiting situations, it's because you've just lost somebody and you're not expecting to, or you've grown quickly and you need to cover the growth very quickly so you don't spend as much time as you should on the whole recruiting process and on the hiring process and then you don't spend enough time on the hiring decision either so you'll make a gut feeling about somebody and recruit them straight away and that's a big mistake because your gut feelings are not always accurate in fact your gut feelings do have something to do with the data that you're collecting on the person when they're coming in for the interview and what have you, but it's a tiny percentage of what you should be looking at. So your gut feeling is a good indicator, but it's only a tiny thing in all the data that you should be looking at when you're coming to um, recruit somebody and after your interview process and all your plan. So you need to factor in time if you can. If you don't have to make a really rash, quick recruitment decision, take the time and make sure you're doing it right. This is a, this might be a, an issue for salon owners because as you say, they might have lost someone. They need someone new in now, else they'll lose, you know, whatever. They have uh, orders in the order books they need to fulfill. Uh, how do you recommend they go by if they lose someone important or, or avoid getting in that position to, to start with? How do, what should they do? Because at this point, when they've lost a the person, they are desperate. So they will probably jump at the first person looking, you know, coming through the door. Half decent. And yeah. I get that. I get that. That that does happen. And there you there are ways you should be juggling things so that if you have to step up and put more hours in, if you can, if you can ask others to put the more hours in um, for a temporary period of time whilst you're looking, that's fine. But we're gonna take it one step back because at this point, and um, for salon owners who've had a salon for a period of time, you should be constantly looking for staff. Even if you don't have a position for somebody right now, you should be recruiting all the time. That should be one of your jobs that you do as a salon owner, apart from your marketing and apart from your customers and growing your business, it should always be on the lookout for new staff. Um, and that means that when you do have a position that comes available, you'll have a 
list of people that you can approach and say, I have something available. Can you step into it? Um, and hold on, this is interesting because I would imagine that Joe Sissers now is listening to the podcast and wonders, but how can I always be recruiting when I don't have a position for them? What will I say? What do you mean by always recruiting? Should I advertise for people all the time? How, how would I do that in practice? Yeah, it's a good question, actually, because you, know, you don't think, well, I'm not going to stick in a recruitment ad in there every, into a newspaper every week if I don't have a position. Some do. What, actually, I must say, I, I know some companies who say we are hiring. They're not really hiring. They're just, you know, running the process. Yeah, and, and if that's the way that they keep a database on file to say, okay, we don't have an actual position for you right this instant, but if you were the right type of candidate, we'd create a position for you. So you can say that to a person that, you know, I may not have a, a gap right now, but I can create, I will create something if some, you are the right type of person for my salon. Um, and sometimes bringing somebody new and gets rid of some of the deadwood anyway. So if you've got a problem staff member, if you bring someone new and who's very good at what they do, then you know that might give them the other person a bit of a kick in the ass to get out the door. Um, but you can always be recruiting in terms of people you meet in your networks, um, your other your clients who've been to other salons. So one of my long-term employees, ex-employees, because I don't own the business anymore, but he's still there in the salon. He was recruited via a client. So I was. I was in a desperate situation. This was probably not the best example in terms of desperation, but um, we just lost three staff very, very quickly and my business partner was away on holiday and I couldn't service anybody because I didn't know what I was doing um, in terms of being on the floor. So I asked, I put the word out to all my clients and said, do you know of anybody who used to go to in the past at another salon who might be interested in working for us? And I got three uh, candidates from that and from those three candidates one took the position immediately and he took the position because he knew the client and liked the client and was respectful and respected the client um, and liked working with her he, and he liked the fact that of our ethos and what we did within the salon but also that client said to him these are a great company to work with they'll look after you so he had some kind of um, testimonial that he could work with so he was a little bit warm when he came into the interview process. He did. He knew that he may he would be looked after, um, and that he wasn't just walking into a business who you know could take would take advantage of him, or you know he wouldn't necessarily like. So he'd always already been kind of primed to say this was a, a great place to work. Um, and okay, I so so just for that. again, so, yeah. Sorry to interrupt again, but that means you're that not sorry. When, no, of course I'm not. <laughs> Sick and tired of listening to you. No, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Time to shut it up. <laughs> oh, God, make her stop. No, Kat, this is really interesting. Um, uh, um, I'm just trying to, you know, the average salon owner, as I said, Joseph is still listening. And he, he, so he's starting to grasp this now. Okay, so he should always be on the lookout for people. Yeah. Uh, but then you said something interesting because you said add, add them, the people you get in touch with, whether it's, through your network or via clients or whatever you you kind of get in touch with people and then you said something about having a list yes so you add those people to the list so if you have a list of potential future employees how do you what do you do with that list are you suggesting that you do something like you do in your daily emails and follow people up or or are you going to have some follow-up 
system yeah, or are you just going to throw them in the drawer and look at it when you need people? What do you suggest people do with the list? Always, 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 always be following up. And it doesn't, you don't have to do that daily because they're going to get, um, you know, that's not absolutely necessary. But there needs to be a regular follow-up with these people. So if you don't have a position available for the next 12 months, you need to be keeping these people kind of aware of what you're doing within the salon. You could put them on your list that you send your monthly newsletter to, the one that you send your clients, you know, your free one that you send out to your clients. They could get that just to be kept in the loop of what's going on within the salon and who you are. Um, and they will soon tell you whether they're not interested or that they found the job of their dreams or whatever. Um, but if you've got a list, it gives you a lot more space and a lot more freedom and a lot more flexibility when it comes to actually recruiting somebody um, down the line. So yes, follow them up, keep in touch. And I must say that this is... Yes, I'm interrupting you again because I, you know, I can. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but this is actually gold, and I hope that the listeners take notice because what this does, this approach, is that it kind of turns the whole thing around. So you get an opportunity to build your salon uh, to your potential future employees. So you could actually get in a position where the good employees would want to come to you because they will see what kind of salon you are. They would, uh, what we call it, align with your values. They would see that through the newsletter, the information you send them from time to time. As Kat says, it doesn't have to be daily or weekly. It could be that you send them the monthly newsletter. That might actually get you in a very good position that when someone quits, you will have someone more or less uh, available uh, almost immediately possibly uh, yeah and what's better yeah. than having somebody who bites your hand off to want to work with you yeah you know, rather than you scraping around trying to find people and having and a list of rabid fans we have an expression here i don't know if you have the uh, something some equivalent uh, expression there but it is that um we say that um, uh, people create people as in <laughs> if someone if you have people interested in something then more people will go to uh, will be attracted to it. and be interested in because it will you will look attractive to people and right. then more people will wonder why are people attracted to this place and they will look into it and that you will just have the crowd coming so, sort of cool um, yeah which I is like but that. yeah yeah. And it's true because if you create some, you know, some noise around your salon, people will be interested and they will know what this is about. And the really good guys will understand if you are good, they will understand why you're good. They will see that through what you do and they will probably want to to be there because you're, you know, you're good. Well, yeah. And, and you kind of make a name. And... You've made a name for yourself without actually yeah. having to make a name um, for yourself. Yeah, so because we have talked, we talked a lot about, you know, bad employees but they're also terrible places to work yeah. and the good employees they are very to, to to jump in their shoes for a moment here they the good people they don't necessarily just care about the pay or stuff like that really good people normally care about what they do they have a passion for this they want to do it they are serious they show up in time they know how to handle clients they have all the good things you're looking for but they also want to work somewhere with someone, uh, you could call them serious. Uh, they understand what employees want and they understand everything. And you could be that person and you could, you could show people how you do it through yeah. your follow-up, really. Yeah, and on that upbeat note, I'm going to finish there because we're coming down yes. to the end of our time. 
and there's a lot actually to chew over in this episode and we will be going through those things that you've mentioned about uh, how you can get staff to be motivated to do the things that uh, you want them to do and um, actually we'll go through the interview process as well and what you should be looking for when you're recruiting somebody because that's that's a massive thing um, on later episodes so we'll wrap up there but do we know what we're talking about next time on podcast number seven no, or is that a surprise no, it's not a surprise. We can tell them. I actually know it because I have the notes here. We are going Boring. to talk about how to keep stuff. Oh, excellent. Okay, so we are going to talk about how to keep stuff. So the next time we'll be talking about how to motivate staff, how to keep them loyal, what they want, what you want, and how you're going to get that. Does that sound cool? That is very cool. Excellent. And we'll speak to you then. You've been listening to the Grow Your Salon Fast Show with Kat and Vagard. Share and sign up for your podcast updates and special bonuses at www.thegrowyoursalonfastshow.com.